So who do we trust, huh? Like always, me and Dee. Welcome to Me and Thee and Three, a Starsky and Hutch fan podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, and what you're about to hear is the interview that Monica and I did with Mama Bird herself, Flamingo, at ShareCon 2018. Please enjoy! We're very happy to have Flamingo joining us today, so thank you for coming. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) And Flamingo, you're also known as Mama Bird. You're the runner of uh, ShareCon. And my understanding is that uh, ShareCon had gone dormant for quite a while and you brought it back. Could you talk a little bit about that? Well, ShareCon is an interesting history. We're actually right now trying to piece it together because some of the founders were here at ShareCon. They come every time. And they're the ones, Nancy Goodwin in particular, or uh, told me that it was fine with her if I used the name. They used to throw ShareCons in the 90s because especially once ZebraCon, which had been a Starskin HutchCon exclusively, started bringing other fandoms in, a lot of the Starskin Hutch fans still felt they needed a place of their own um, to enjoy the boys to the max. So they would have these get-togethers. They could have up to, I think the first one had 69 people. They That's kind good of, number. Yeah, nice. they, <laughs> they kind of fluctuated between maybe 25 and, and 35 or you know, a big one might have 69. They were having them twice a year for a while uh, here on the East Coast where there was a large contingent of fans that could easily come. They would play games and, and have panels and watch episodes and vids and stuff like that. So that format was pretty much the same. I was not involved in any of that. I wasn't even into, I wasn't into fandom of any kind at that point. I got into fandom around 91. My first fandom was Miami Vice, and that's why I'm Flamingo because I needed a pen name, and I worked with long-legged wading birds. I worked with cranes, specifically whooping cranes. And it occurred, you know, when you watch Miami Vice, one of the first clips is a whole flock of flamingos running across a body of water. And I thought, okay, I could live with that name. And once I, I know some people, when they move from fandom to fandom, they change their fanish name. I've never quite understood why people do that, but I'm sure they have their reasons. And I just kept mine, even though it wasn't really relevant to Starskin Hutch. I was already pretty well known, fairly well known. From Miami Vice had five people in it when I was in it. <laughs> I was one of the few people writing in it, so you know I, anybody interested in it was going to read my stuff because they didn't have much. Um, so I thought it was stupid to change my name, and what would I have changed it to? You know, so it was just easier to keep going. So Martha Bond Sayre of April Valentine. April Valentine threw a share con right around the time that I was getting interested in the in the guys. Rosemary Callahan encouraged me. Miami Vice was pretty much a dead place for me and I was having trouble with the publishers. I, it just was an issue and I was there weren't that many zines that would take my stuff and and I had a very tiny audience, you know. It was a pretty lonely place to be. So uh, Rosemary, I made friends with her through Miami Vice, and she introduced me to Suzanne Lovett, and and they were all very encouraging to try to get me to join another fandom. And to me, this was like telling me to go fall in love with somebody else. You know, that guy's not doing you any good. Fall in love with some other guy. Oh yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> and I was like, this is never going to happen. And over the course of a weekend at Suzanne's with a whole bunch of other fans, and they were all <laughs> playing all these episodes of things that I had no interest in, and. Suzanne has a vast library and so I would slip out of the room and go into her stacks <laughs> and be browsing this book and that book and they'd be like we lost her again go get her <laughs> and they'd pull me back into the room here watch this episode oh, I'm so bored um, so can... this this went on I don't know how many episodes we watched and Suzanne finally got disgusted and she said okay I know what to do about this you sit I'm going to play something for you 
and she plugged in class I now know class and crime and she fast forwarded to the walk around the porch. <laughs> yes. And I'm watching I'm like, Who's that guy? Oh my god, what a basket. Yeah. <laughs> and she as soon as I was like, I knew I I knew it. And then uh we watched the plague, uh and they pretty much fast forwarded through all the parts that didn't have the guys in it and explained it to me real quickly so we didn't have to wade through all that stuff about the bad guy. And so I was like, huh, okay, this is kind of interesting. And it was being played on TNT at the time. And so I started watching it, even though the first couple of episodes I saw, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. The first episode I ever saw on TNT was Dandruff. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. And the second, I'm very fond of it now, but I was like, Suzanne Lovett gets fiction out of this. And then the second episode I saw was Groupie, which was not much better. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you guys have one more chance or my ass is out of here. <laughs> and the next episode was Blues for a Lady. It's the one in that uh, in season four. Ballad yeah. for a Blue Ballad Lady. Ballad for a Blue Lady. That's it. Thank you. And that hooked me completely. You know, I love that kind of drama. and that, I really loved that episode. I still love it. I thought it was beautifully done and very, very dramatic. I was like, okay, I'm in. So I'm, I get hooked on the show, I'm, and it's, it's zines. There's nothing, there's, there's email, that's all there is. And other fans, Suzanne's lending me zines, other fans are lending me zines because that's how you got people into it. Um, I had no tapes. If it wasn't on TNT, I didn't get to see it. So it was, you know, a primitive time. And I'm reading stuff. I had trouble keeping the guys apart. I kept confusing their names. <laughs> the sad part is... My wife, who, of course, at the time was my partner, I'd be reading the scene and I'd be yell out, which one's the blonde again? <laughs> She'd yell back, Hutch, why can't you remember this? Because <laughs> it was just words on paper. I didn't see enough episodes. So it was a funny time. So anyway, I got really, really hooked, and I was going to other cons. Media West was the big deal. That was gigantic. They would have tons of zines, and it went on for four days. So we were going to Media West, and I would go to this. They would always have a Starskin Hutch party there, and that was always fun. And uh, at one point, so Martha said to me, I'm going to throw a share con. Okay, that's nice. She said, but it's invitation only because it's a small space. We can only have so many people. And I thought, I'm inviting you. If you don't want to go, someone gets to go in your place. I'll invite somebody else. I said, uh, she told me when. It was going to be local to me. I was like, yeah, I'm in. And and so... uh, she threw this really fun share con in just a couple of hotel suites. It wasn't a big deal. There was maybe 25 of us. And they played some games, and they played eps, and they played vids, and they had panels. They discussed things. So I learned a lot. And everybody there was only into Starskin Hutch. And that was the first time I'd been to a single family, a single fandom event like this. And it was like, wow. you know. And, of course, everybody was slashers. Um, so it was pretty amazing. And I was completely hooked. And... I was deep into it at this point. So I'm patiently waiting for another share con to happen. <laughs> and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And this other con's connection comes up. I'm whining to everybody about this. Why hasn't anybody shown? Because it never occurred to me that somebody had to plan this thing. Somebody had to make mm-hmm. it. It seemed, I was like, when's the next share con? Mother's like, I'll probably, I've got a lot going on. I'm not going to be able to do one. Maybe somebody else will do it. It's something means this isn't like an established thing you don't do this every year you i i knew nothing about it because i was used to cons which were usually really big events and this was very small and intimate so i was rooming with linda rehnquist and she's she's no longer in the, in the fandom she was a great gal and we're rooming together and i'm like wow 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 where is she going why does it somebody have she she was like, really tired of it <laughs> she said <laughs> Stop whining about it. If you want Shere Khan, make one. It's like, well, you just don't do that. She said, you can, th- it requires a hotel room and a bunch of people who want to go. It's not hard to do. Really? That's all that's involved? She said, yeah, you just got to find space that you can afford and then you let people know. You pick a date. It's not hard. This is not complicated. I was like, okay, if that's not complicated, this is like Connections was, I think, in May. And it was just before chick season got crazy, so I still had a little time. So I started going to hotels. I went to one hotel, and they were like, yeah, you can have it right here. We can hold 100 people and blah, blah, blah. And the next thing I know, I'm pulling this con together because I didn't know any better. And (laughs) my friend, Kath Sanders, who's now Kath Jerry, said to me, 
you're going to put a share count together? I said, yeah, Kathy Rehnquist says it's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> Kath, who has thrown, she had thrown multiple cons for different reasons. She was like, let me help you with this. <laughs> and if it wasn't for her, it probably would have been a disaster because I had no idea what I was doing. We had registration at the door. That's insane. <laughs> Which we found out. Because <laughs> you can't plan. You have no idea who's coming. You have to handle the money and everything at the door. You have to get people registered at the door. And we were completely unprepared for that. Kat said, we usually don't do that. So I said, well, I just thought I'd make it easy for people. <laughs> Last time we ever did that. And I figured out on paper, okay, the room is costing me this. Blah, blah, blah. If I get 35 or 40 people, we can pay this bill. You know. And... Um, Kath said, oh, we can probably swing that. Before everybody registered at the door, we had about 40 people. I, we, we've got the bill paid. I'm happy. We had 70 people show up. I'm like, where are all these people coming from? I didn't know who they were. <laughs> Kath's like, we just roll with it. And then we were going to go out for meals because the hotel I had picked was a hotel we, used, we subsequently used many times. And it was right on a restaurant row. So there were like six restaurants you could walk to. So that was the ideal location. So we just go out to eat, you know. Kath says to me, nobody wants to leave. <laughs> they want to stay here. We have to bring food in. I'm like, we're not prepared to do that. <laughs> so it was a real learning experience. Everybody had a ton of fun. We skipped some panels that we were planning. I mean, it was pretty chaotic. But everybody had a great time. And it was a very warm and comfortable environment. And everybody got along great. And I was used to a little phantom kerfuck. Miami Vice was full of drama. Uh, and this was a much more relaxed atmosphere. And I was like, this is great. We should do this every other year when we don't have ZCon. Because we usually had a big Starskin Hutch group that would get together at ZCon. We would have our own panels and stuff like that. So I figured, you know, we go to ZCon one year, we have ShareCon the next year. That worked. I thought that worked out fine. And so that's what we decided to do. The first time we had 70 people. The second time we had 110 and it was too much for the space we were in. Mm -hmm. We're like, this is really big. Now, the show is on TNT, so people were watching it, doing bids, and getting into it. And that's why we had so many people. So we figured we needed a bigger hotel. And we found a bigger hotel. <laughs> and that was the year of the movie. So that we had 110 people that year, or 120. I kind of lost count. And we had a lot of space there, which was great. We even had a little theater with a stage for our Ooh, play. Nice. It, it was, it was a disaster. Oh no! <laughs> it was an utter disaster. I showed up, and I had rented the executive suite because I need to have a place to put all this equipment I'm bringing in. Mm -hmm. The ceiling had caved in, and the executive <gasps> suite. I don't have a room. Yikes! They had double booked all our meeting space with classes. We had no meeting space except for one dealer's room and another small dealer's room, but we had no meeting space to meet in, to have panels in. And they finally emptied out some room, put two couches in there, and that was our meeting space. It was terrible. They had no security, They had, and they were right near the beltway. And at one point, it was an old hotel, and things were breaking down, and one of the people staying there, one of the guests staying there, one of the ShareCon people, their toilet backed up, and they went down to the desk, blah, 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 toilet backed up. They handed her a plunger. <gasps> it could not have been worse. Wow. It could not have been worse. It was terrible. And I've got all these people here. Oh, my God, it was bad. And the worst part of it is I, they, I had rented a TV from them and a VCR and all the stuff I needed to show stuff. They never gave it to me. Wow. And Kathy Sands was there, and she had a big truck. And Morgan Logan came to that con. That was the first time I met her. And she decided to come on the spur of the moment. She had written me this long email about why she got into Starskin Hutch and blah, 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 the archive, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you need to come to ShareCon. Just get on the plane and come. And she did. And she's a big, tall woman, very strong. And she says, We've got, we have no TV. And this is like, it's it's Saturday, and they can't provide me this thing, and I'm losing it. I said, this is bullshit. Kathy says, I have a truck, because we didn't have vans at that time, and I sent Morgan Logan and a whole bunch of other people, and Cyan and Kathy Sands to my house, and they're coming over to pick up the, the TV setup. They're going to take the TV, the VCR, and the stand and everything. And 
that's what they had to do. So like trailers are going crazy and these all these strangers are pouring into the house because Anne doesn't watch TV much. It didn't bother her. And we had to unplug everything and put it in the truck and take it over and set it up. And we finally had something to, it was a media con where no media was happening and everybody still had a good time. Everybody had a good time because they were determined to have a good time mm -hmm. because it could have been, it was, for me, it was really difficult because Things weren't working, and the hotel wasn't helping us. And it was basically like, if I need knew I needed to bring a plumber with me, I would have. It, it was bad. It was really bad. S uh, Suzanne's room had nothing but cold water, and they never gave her any towels, which she realized when she got out of the shower, that the towel rack was completely empty. There wasn't a towel there. She had to wrap herself in a sheet to go out to call the desk i have no towels and it was like well i'm not sure we can help you yeah it was unreal it was, so we always called it the disaster hotel but you know everybody said but we had a lot of fun <laughs> i was like i'm glad you guys had a lot of fun <laughs> it was a learning experience um i learned a lot about handling problems at that con uh, and sharon was there mm -hmm. and sharon is really really good with dealing with confrontation i sometimes i am and sometimes i'm not and I was completely rattled by all this. And Sharon was like, we're not paying for this hotel. They're going to give us some money back, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, Monday morning, she had a list like this. And they knew they were in trouble. And, and I forget, at the time, I think it was a comfort in suite. So they had a parent organization. So they gave most of our money back. But, oh, that's good, at least. And we never went back there. Every It's changed hands three or four times. And every now and then I go in and I look around at it. The space hasn't changed. They haven't renovated anything. They've got a good manager, but I'm just, I can't. I just can't go back there. Fair enough. <laughs> no. So after that year, everything got easier. And the numbers started to drop because you know what fandoms do. You know, mm -hmm. They go up, they go down. They go up, they go down. And so after the movie... Like the next year, we had 80 people. And the year after that, we had 60 people. And then we hit around 50. And that seemed like a really comfortable number. We didn't plan it that way. It just happened. But it was intimate. You could actually talk to everybody. With 100 people, it was chaos. And there were people there that came in. They were friends of mine. I never got to see them. With 50 people, you could pretty much deal with everybody. You could have intimate conversations. And that seemed, I thought, huh, I don't want to limit the membership, but I hope we can keep, keep it to 35 to 50. We had a little bit more than that here. It was a little more chaotic. And that space, I don't really think that space can afford it. Not if we want to have the tables. We didn't care about the tables, but I think we kind of need them. So I think I may have to limit membership maybe to 55 or 60, no more than that. I don't see that 70 people could be in that room. I think that would be pretty tight. I mean, they, they claim would... 90, but... Well, not with all the tables. Yeah, See, no. this is, they're talking, yeah, when just... they give you the maximum number, they're talking theater style only, mm -hmm. just chairs. And, uh, and we, need, we need tables. We need all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. so, so that might happen. That might be a change. I've never wanted to limit membership because I'm a last-minute person. And when it came to ZCon, I was always one of the last people to put in my membership. Frequently, I was on the waiting list and always got in. But it's like, in my life, it, we have, I have a sign in my house that says, if it wasn't for the last minute, nothing would get done. Because that's the way my life is. And I didn't want to exclude those people who lived life like I do. Mm -hmm. And by saying, well, you have to have your stuff in by this time, or we're cutting membership off, and you won't get a chance to go. I know for me, it meant I would have never gotten to go. So I don't want to do it, but we might have to, because the space is tight, mm -hmm. you know. Running ShareCon has been really, really interesting for me because I'm, I'm not organized, but I have somehow managed to con some really smart people to help me. <laughs> Kat Sanders helped me for a couple years, and then uh, we roped in Cyan like, at the second con. She's been on my con committee since the second convention, 2002. We've got a core that comes back every time unless something happens in their life and they can't, but... I don't think Suze has ever missed one, or Nancy, and uh, and that kind of core interest really, even if nobody else shows up, you've got a bunch of friends there you can party with, you know, and have mm -hmm. a good time. We've had some rocky years. One of the problems with ShareCon is there's a large group of people that have known each other for decades, literally. It can be very hard to fit into that, to, to get to know those people to become part of that group, even peripherally. 
Mm-hmm. And as a person who's always felt like an outsider, like, I mean, a lot of us in fandom, we all feel like that most of the time. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons we feel at home in fandom, because we're surrounded by people who, have, who understand that feeling. But ShareCon, some of the years when it was 60 and 80 people, when new people came, they had trouble breaking into that group of people who knew yeah. everything about each other. They had in-jokes. They would make a small reference and it meant something to them. You know, it's mm-hmm. the high school clique. You know, the thing we all hated. There is so much for me to do with the con, especially when there is a lot of people, that it wasn't something I was that aware of because I was not a newbie. I wasn't trying to get in. Like when I invited Morgan in, my inviting her in, and then when she got here seeing, oh, you came, you came, it was so great. That was a, a break for her. I got her in there, but I remember Dawn saying the first time she came, she didn't talk to anybody. And you know how talkative she is. Mm-hmm. And so that can be hard. But I wasn't really aware of that because you're involved in the running of the con. you got to deal with the hotel and you got to deal with food and you got to deal with this and the zines and the blah, blah, blah. There were cons, there were share cons where we were, I think one share con, we released 16 different scenes premiered there. Wow. This is, you know, so there's all this stuff. And we had dealers. The first couple of years, we had 13, 14 dealers, you know, over the years. That dwindled away. And I was kind of glad because it was really chaotic. But anyway, one year, some people complained, you know, at the dead dog that they couldn't, they didn't feel welcome. They weren't made to feel welcome, that it was a hostile atmosphere. I felt like somebody was stabbing me because I was just totally unaware of it. And these were legitimate complaints. And this one woman in particular hounded me about it. And I saw her at yet another con and she went, she cornered me in the bathroom about it. It was a really difficult time. And so I said to her, what do you want me to do about this? Because you've been harping on this for quite a while and I am concerned about your concern, but you need to give me a suggestion. You know, don't take, you've told me what's wrong. How do I fix it? And she suggested that I have a welcoming committee. And I thought that was, they used to have that in Star Trek. And Star Trek was monstrous. And they had a welcoming committee. And I thought, I can do that. That's easy. <laughs> I just got to find somebody to do it. And one of the new people, Angel, who, who was here yesterday, Angel said, I'll do it. And she's super organized, and she would buy little gifts for the new people. And, and that solved the problem. It was pretty easy solve. But it wasn't something I would have thought of on my own because it wasn't my problem. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of taught me I had to look out for problems I couldn't anticipate that weren't of my own experience. So that, that was probably the rockiest one for me. It really affected me. And I was like, okay, you got to be on top of this better because you're throwing a party for people, but if people don't feel like they're welcome at the party, what is the point? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that worried me a lot. So we, I think we did a pretty good job of solving that. Sometimes the, you know, a lot of the newbies didn't have that problem because they were a little more extroverted. They weren't afraid to jump in. But for people who are really shy, I, I hate walking into a room where I don't know anybody. So I know what that feels like, you know. So when Angel couldn't do it anymore for her own personal reasons, I figured, I wonder if Sonia will do it for me because she just loves meeting new people. She's very outgoing. She's funny. She's just very charming. And I've known Sonia a long, long time. And so when I asked her, would you be willing to do this? Oh, I got that wrap. Just let me, just send me the emails and I'll talk to them. And don't you worry about it. And I said, you know, we can work out. We got a budget. We can work out gifts for them. I got it covered. Don't you worry about a thing. You know, so. uh, She did a great job. Yeah. Well, she's so, she's so fun. So, so I've, I've been really lucky because I've had the same con committee now for years. You know, Sonia was a, a new addition, but Sonia had always helped at the con. She would do the auction. She would do something at the con. So the welcoming committee was like an easy thing for her to do. That's a perfect niche for her. So it's mostly Cyan and I do the bulk of it. And then some years Carrie hasn't been able to help as much because of her job responsibilities. And uh, But Mo, this year, she changed, they changed her position a little bit and she suddenly had more free time. So that worked out great. Because this year I had no time, mm-hmm. and so they filled in. But it, it's it's a very cooperative effort. I have to be willing to take orders from people, and the, <laughs> and I'm glad to do it because I don't know the computer stuff 
I'm hopeless. I'm not hopeless with computer stuff, but I can't do the stuff Cyan does easily. So it would be stupid for me to do it and take ten times as long, you know. So she covers all that stuff, and 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 Carrie is she's the total opposite of me. I live a life of, of utter chaos, <laughs> and Carrie's her house is orderly. She knows where everything is. I have to be at work at this time. That means I have to do this. I mean, she she lives a sensible life. Because she's depending on herself, so she lives a very sensible life. I have never been able to do that. <laughs> um, I've kind of always lived in a whirlwind of chaos, and I'm kind of comfortable with that to a point. But so to have a really organized person like that is real helpful. And Cyan's somewhere in the middle. She can be very organized about dates. Like she'll set up the date. We're going to start with the advent calendar on this date. We're going to start soliciting for things for the advent calendar. And that, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you pick the dates. Tell me what to do. Um, because if it was up to me, it would happen two weeks before it was due. <laughs> so that, that doesn't work. Um, so I always think I have more time than I have. It's like, we can do that next week. So I'll say, no, next week is too late because of this reason and this reason and this reason. We have to do this now. Okay, well, then I guess we're doing it now. <laughs> you know, but I, without them, I couldn't. This couldn't happen. You know, it, there's too much involved. Mm -hmm. There's membership money. There's, you know, keeping track of people. And, and we've, we sometimes lose people. You know, I still don't know what happened to Carrie's badge. Carrie, not Carrie um, Tompkins, but Carrie's two boys. Because I know I made her badge. And Sharon says, I put her badge in the badge holder. <laughs> I don't know where it is. We never did find it. These things happen. Yeah, I had a handwritten one, too. <laughs> and I know I did your badge. I mean, they're on sheets. I can go back to my computer and find your badge on the sheet. I couldn't have printed all those badges around it without printing yours because it's a sheet and they're perforated and you break them apart. That's like, what happened? And and Sharon was being very – She's she was a teacher, so she's really organized. And she had taken all the – crazy chaos in my house and kind of organized it. This has to go and here's where the badges are and here's where the lanyards are and here's what the stuff that goes in the bag. She had all that stuff sorted and while well, I'm trying to finish the program. And, uh, <laughs> and, and yet you get here and it's like, why isn't it where it's supposed to be? I don't know. You know, so, so even when you're trying to be super organized, things still go awry. Mm -hmm. They still go awry. I mean, there's so many moving parts that you're working with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yet we've done it so often, there are parts of it that we feel like, well, we got this covered. We know how to do this. So we don't have to relearn how to do it. But this year was especially bad because I moved. And fortunately, next year should be a lot easier because we're done. Mm -hmm. um, so all the energy I had to put into that, that I had to get done, I had to get it done as fast as possible, it's gone. So, I, you know, I'm hoping that I will be more involved in the mundane tasks that have to be done and not so much will fall on them. But uh, they were they were like soldiers this time, really, really like soldiers. So and adding the, I got to say that, adding the award system may not have been my smartest move, <laughs> <laughs> especially since there are so many awards and that takes up a lot of energy. Well, it does sound like a lot of work, but seeing how touched those people were to get the awards seems... Yeah worth it probably yeah well that we don't have a lot of ways to thank our creators we just don't and and feedback has never i mean we talk about the zine era when people wrote LOCs and all that stuff it was still only a small percentage of that you you sold 150 zines and you'd hear from 10 people maybe you know and if you had a weak story in there, that person was not going to hear from anybody, mm -hmm. you know. So that's always been reality, you know. Um, so that you just have to face that there's always going to be a small percentage of people who write back. Yeah. So, um, but we had the Huggy Awards for years, and, and Starsky and Hutch fandom really supported those. Karen used to thank our fandom every time she ran it because she'd be getting all these votes from the SH people and the other fandoms. She'd have to beat them over the head to put in nominations and stuff and, uh, and it's just I have mixed feelings about awards mm -hmm. I think there's validity to concerns that the most popular person 
get not even though you say well how is that possible these people that are voting on you have never met you how popular can you be i mean if they love your writing they love your writing if they love your vid they love your vid you know um but it was one of the reasons because we were involved in the hoggies i i won best writer in starskin hutch at, for zcon three years three times in a row that was like six years covered yeah you know, it's every mm -hmm. other year the third time it happened, I said, I think we've proven this point. You know, okay, thank you. I'm a good writer. Thanks. I appreciate it. But there were a lot of really good writers on the list with me. They were just as good as me. But now people know my name. They recognize it. Mm -hmm. So I said to Karen, I'm not eligible anymore. Just take me out. You know, and you can announce it that Flamingo's removed yourself from eligibility. So people will vote for other people. And that's why we decided right off the bat when we started the Paula Wilshies that you got to win it once. And we decided to do that with the Marion Kellys. You win it once, you're done. We've proven it. Okay, you're you're a great writer, you're a great fitter, whatever. We don't we don't need to prove it again three, mm -hmm. four, five, ten times, you know. So, um I was really comfortable and I, I think everybody's kinda of comfortable with that decision. You know, because writers that are really popular are going to keep writing. So their next work is going to be just as popular as their last work. Mm -hmm. And now someone's suggesting that maybe we should break up the writing category because it's very hard for people who write short pieces to compete with novels. And this is a valid concern. So we're going to think about that. Mm -hmm. It's like, huh, we need more awards. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but, but it is a valid concern. I am a long-form writer. I cannot write short. It's very, the, the stuff in the zine is really short and it was kind of miraculous that I was able to do that because I do not write, they tried to get me to write drabbles once. I said, you're going to be kidding. I've got titles longer than that. You know, so I can't do the short form and the short form is an art. It's really an art to be able to tell your story and have it be a real story in a hundred, a thousand, five thousand words. I've always had trouble with the short form. So, but it is really hard for people to compete if they're writing only short form stuff with, you know, these gigantic novels that some of our writers are producing. Mm -hmm. Crazy Cater stuff. How long is that stuff? Oh my gosh. I'm subscribed to um, the, the, the Bloodbath Modern AU and it just keeps going. I'm really impressed. I don't know how long it is now. Yeah, I don't know how she does that. Yeah. Now. So that's something to think about. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll make other changes. We're, we're also considering that it won't, probably won't happen next year because we're having this weird year. But we might go to doing one award one time and one award when we don't have a con. Mm -hmm. Like the Paula Wilshie, to do the Paula Wilshie was part of ShareCon. For a while we gave it every year because ZCon was on, we would give it at ZCon and at ShareCon. Now we pretty much just give it at ShareCon. So, you know, there's some talk that maybe we'll do the Paula Wilshie at ShareCon, and in the in-between year when we don't have a convention, we would have more energy to do this longer, longer award thing. So mm -hmm. we're, we're talking about things that might make our lives a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> that might be possible. Uh, uh, speaking of um, recognition and thanks, I just want to take this moment to thank both you and the entire ConCom for putting on ShareCon, like, I, I've had a, such a wonderful time this weekend, so thank you so much. You're very welcome, and and I'm very happy that you had a wonderful time. Um, I throw ShareCon for me. <laughs> I want Starscan Hutch to have fiction and vids and art, and I found over the years that having an event like ShareCon meant that I got more of that when the year was over, that people were inspired. Advent calendar is always bigger the years we have ShareCon. People mm -hmm. get inspired to produce for it. And the in-between years, it's a little leaner. And uh, so it's a, I do it for a selfish reason. I, I want to have three or four days of just having Starskin Hutch around me because all of my friends are in other fandoms. Just like, I mean, you know, you know what fan life is now. Mm -hmm. Everybody's into 10 things at once. And, I mean, even I have some other interests. They're not huge interests. They're moderate interests. But I have other interests. Yeah, I watch Leverage. I love that show. And, and I watch some of the Marvel movies, you know, and I've got a real problem with Chris Evans. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not immune to these things. But, you know, I want to have 
every other year I want to have a weekend where it's just me and the guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it helps keep me motivated. I've been in this fandom since 95. That's a long time to maintain an interest. Relationships get stale. <laughs> <laughs> And, and when I, especially last year, last year I was, not last year, in 2016, I was talking to Cyan about this might be the last one. I was a little tired. You know, I just, we're dealing with a friend who's sick and we've got a lot going on and I was just like, uh, why are we doing this con? Maybe I, I was beginning to feel maybe I'd lost interest in the guys because you have to have a lot of interest to want to go to this much trouble. And then... George shows up and Fresh Candy show up and a couple other new people show up and they bring all this energy to the con and everybody's all excited and there was so much energy in 2016. I fell right into it. You know, I was like, this is amazing. I really want to, you know, I was back into Starskin Hodge all of a sudden. So any, so I was like, what's happening with you? It's like, <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> oh, look at these guys. <laughs> and, um, you know, we had some great vids, and it just, you know, the girls wanted, uh, especially Fresh Candy wanted to stay up and watch vids till the dawn broke, and, and I'm all <laughs> for that, you know, and uh, I got to show her the Laughing Torino. I don't know if you were there when I played it. She asked mm-hmm. me to play it last night, and that's a bit I don't show much because it, it can offend some people because there's nudity in it and, and sexuality in it, and uh, and it's very weird, and it's old and beat up, she loved it. She just, oh my God, it's the first crack vid. <laughs> she just loved it. And to see her so enthusiastic about these old tape vids, you know, that warmed my heart so much because, you know, that era is gone. It really, that technology is over. It's done. And it's hard to watch those fuzzy old vids, you know, with all the garbage in them and everything else. And it can be really hard to view that stuff. And she just, it didn't matter how old they were, how beat up they were, she was really loving it. And and some of the other people that stayed were too, but she was so vocal about it. And it just, I was like, okay, you just need to relax. Everything's full. You just need this weekend every couple of years. You, you got to keep doing this because it's good for you, you know. Um, I didn't get, I was, I was in real writer's block at that point. I hadn't written anything in quite a while. I was beginning to think, Okay, maybe I'm done with this. Maybe I can't write in this anymore. And I was saying that to Carrie T. And she was like, no, 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 you got to be writing. And it wasn't happening. There's a lot of pressure in my house, you know. And uh, and that was before the move. So I thought once the move started, you know, and just everything going on, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't have time to be a writer right now. And then much to my surprise... Suzanne produced two pieces of art, and the next thing I know, I'm writing parodies <laughs> for them because I just love them. And Carrie said to me, I want you to send me all your works in progress. I want to see what, you've been, what you haven't been doing, and maybe we need to talk about it more and spend more time on the phone. I'm like, okay, okay, just what I needed, you know, a writing a fairy godmother. So I sent her all my works in progress, and she said to me, you ought to finish this one story for the con scene. I said, I just wrote two parodies. Get off my back. <laughs> she said, no, really. She said, this story has a lot of potential, and it's a fairly simple story, and it's the kind of story that you should be able to just knock out. I said, this story is 10 years old. I wrote two paragraphs of it in your house, and I haven't touched it since. And she said, just think about it. I don't think it's that hard a story to write. You need to just focus on it. And she was right. And... Much to my dismay, I actually wrote it and I actually finished it. I couldn't believe it. Because the last thing, even in 2016, I didn't have an original piece in there. And that's the first time. I had some old stuff in there I dredged out and kind of polished off. It was a cheat. I learned at this con that uh, your story, Crystal Blue Persuasion, was based on Suzanne Lovett art. That's right. Yeah, I'm nodding. You can't nod here. Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Well, you were drinking, so I didn't expect you to speak and drink at the same time. And I love that story. So someone actually had a uh, copy on the free table from a a library, apparently. So I'm really looking forward to reading it in print, too. Yeah. And uh, absolutely adore your story, Do I Still Love You, Rosie Maloney. I think that's got to be one of my favorite Starsky and Hutch stories. Really? Yeah. It always amazes me. <laughs> it's a story that almost didn't get written because I was two-thirds of the way through it and everybody I gave it to hated it. 
They weren't neutral about it. They weren't like, eh, I don't know if you're going to make this work. They were like, you can't fix this. This is a problem. <laughs> the editor I was writing it for didn't want it. Mm. I'd never been turned down before. She said, I don't see how you can fix this story. I, I just can't. I can't take it. I was like, okay. Do you think it it's was because Starsky was in love with Rosie? Yeah, Mooney? sure. See, I knew that, that was my favorite part, <laughs> that he was in love with two people and that... I mean, I don't think I've, I've definitely come across very few Starsky and Hutch fanfic where there's an actual love triangle. And it's not even that I'm that into love triangles, but it just really worked. Thank you so much. It's great for me to hear. That story had a real rocky road. Ian thanks is on love for that story because I was that close to abandoning it. I mean, I have been a professional writer. You write... When I came up, my whole purpose in writing was to get published. There was no other purpose. I didn't see any other purpose to writing other than, yeah, you want to express yourself. You want to create an art piece, but it, what good is it going to do you on the kitchen table? That's always been my motivation. It doesn't have to be other people's, but it's mine. And I'm like, I'm not finishing a story nobody's going to print. And at the time, I wasn't able to print my own zines, publish my own zines. And... People I really respected did not like that story. It was the strongest reaction I'd ever, the strongest negative reaction I'd gotten anything I'd ever written. And Suzanne read it, and I, she is a tremendous writer. I don't know if you've read a lot of her stuff, but that woman is incredible. I can read her stuff in other fandoms that I don't care about. <laughs> um, she's a, a brilliant writer. So I trusted her editorial skills. She has always given me advice on a lot of my stories. And she said to me, this story is really different and has a lot of depth, and I think you should finish it. And if you have to publish it yourself, I think you should publish it yourself. It is a very worthwhile story, and I'm really hoping that you won't abandon it. And it was because she had faith in me that I felt like, you need to finish it. And as a writer, I feel if you don't finish things, nobody... Uh, I was once told by an editor, people don't publish ideas, they publish finished work. So if you want to be published, you must finish. <laughs> and I, that, I've had that drilled into me, so... So I finished it, and uh, what was it published? It was I forget. Did I publish it myself? I may have published it in one of my dangerous zines. I can't re really recall where it ended up, but we got it in print, and I and I heard crickets, <laughs> which didn't surprise me because it wasn't like I was being flooded with you know mail anyway. Though I always you'd go to cons and people'd say, "Oh, I I love this," or "I love that." And I don't need that. I was a professional writer. When you write a book, you don't hear from anybody. Mm -hmm. Okay? You, your name's on the check. You're very happy for that. So I wasn't the kind of writer where it's like, oh, I'm not going to write anymore. Nobody's writing to me. That, that was never my, my scene. But I knew this story was difficult, and I knew people were going to have trouble with it. Slash people do not like women to get involved with their men. That's reality. That's why we're writing this stuff, so we can write all those women out of the story. I understand that on a, on a gut level. But it was a story, when I was very, very young, I found myself in a relationship with two other people that I didn't want to be in. And it was, I remember, I can bring it right back, it was that traumatic. And I remembered everything that happened to me during that time, and it went right into that. Mm. So it was very personal story to me, which is why I wanted to write it, because it was a part of my life I'd never explored. I explore a lot of personal issues through my Starsky and Hutch fiction, which I couldn't do in Miami Vice. Mm -hmm. It was a colder universe. It was a darker universe. I write about stuff that happened to me and Anne in my Starsky and Hutch stories. I could finally reach into my romantic experiences instead of just my traumas. <laughs> um, but that was a period of my time that was really difficult. I was in college, you know, I was very young, very inexperienced, very new at everything. And uh, constantly having this back and forth with this, this guy who was, you know, in love with two women, me and this other woman. And it, it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. I was Hutch. Uh, and, uh, and so it, I touched on a lot of very personal stuff in there, which I thought was some of the best stuff in there. But I knew I was swimming upstream because I know people don't want to read about women in their slash stories. <laughs> and I, I get that. I get that. But I just really wanted to write it. So I was glad I finished it. And I didn't care if anybody liked it. It's like my Helen story. I don't get tons of feedback on that either. I don't care because I like that story. 
and I felt good about getting it done. Suzanne thought I did a great job on it. And uh, the people that didn't like it never liked it. And that's okay. You don't have to like everything. And, uh, and I hear more good things about that story now than almost anything else I've written now, hmm. all <laughs> these years later. So, you know, I, I think people worry a lot about getting feedback, but you got to be patient. Because I find, and Jen Hall said this about Starsky and Hutch fandom. She had a lot of problems in Starsky and Hutch fandom when she was first into it. And she was writing very, very different kind of fiction. A lot of AU stuff and some really, for the time, out there stuff that we just didn't see in Starsky and Hutch. I always liked her stuff because it was different. It was innovative. and But a lot of people had a lot of problems with it. But 10 years after that time, she said she's come to realize that she gets more feedback from Starsky and Hutch fans now, all these years later, and that when she looks at it over the years, they have consistently touched base with her and talked with her with depth about her stories more than any other fandom she's ever been in. And she has come to appreciate Starsky and Hutch fans because of how much they do really do respect their fiction, even if it's hard for them to talk about it. So... And I thought, huh, that's really interesting. And so now I hear about Rosie Milan all the time, and, and I'm like, huh, well, it's a good thing I've finished that thing. <laughs> but it, it's interesting. You've got to have patience with the stuff you write, and maybe you'll never get feedback on it. And, and it's hard. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's lonely to put something out there that means so much to you. And okay, oh, a lot of people are reading it. No one's saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> It's really hard because those hit counts are so deceptive. Oh, yeah. Somebody starts a story, they leave it, they come back, they pick it up the next day, you know, or they've downloaded it and they might not get to it for six months and they might forget they even have it. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's those hit counts. I try not to look at them because they don't really mean anything. And they just make you feel like, oh, great, 90,000 people have read this and not a single person has said boo to me. And that, that, can, that can be hard to deal with. So I don't look at them. I figured, who cares? <laughs> Thank you for your kind words about Rosalind. Oh, I welcome. really appreciate it. Thank you for writing it. Ah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got a bunch of works in progress, and Carrie's really hounding me to. I want to finish the If Love Is Real series. I cannot believe it's taken me this long to. I, I've just really been stalled on it. It was funny. One comment stalled me on that whole series. One comment. It's and it's funny how these things affect you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, but you can't, you just got to move forward, so, yeah. So I always, I remember the days when I was writing books, because you never hear from anybody. <laughs> we have been talking for almost an hour, and I would love to talk to you more. I have more questions about other aspects of Starsky and Hutch fandom that you've been involved in. But I think we must save that for another time. <laughs> I hope you're going to edit all that stuff down. Because um, I do go pod, on. Our podcast is a low-edit podcast. <laughs> oh, that's not good. <laughs> but we, we you planned. needed to tell me that at the beginning. <laughs> I listened to an interview you did, I think, at either the last ShareCon or the one before that with a woman who was involved with the Iowa Archives, it sounded like. And that was a really interesting interview. Good. Oh, good. Sorry, I use, inter I I use interesting in a good way. I, okay. I, I, I know a lot of Midwesterners it. use interesting as like a passive-aggressive insult. I don't. I so. would. I would okay. know. I would know about that. Um, I hope I didn't embarrass myself. No, oh no, no not at all. It talks a lot about your vitting and stuff, and uh, I think that was like at three o'clock in the morning sometime. Yeah. Good God, <laughs> you never know what you're going to say at that hour. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, thank you for that. I hope um, I came across as coherent. <laughs> oh, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Um, did you start the advent calendar? No, okay. I did not. Enid Novial did. And she okay. started it, I believe, in 2007, if I remember correctly. And I think she did it for five years and then announced that she couldn't do it anymore. Which didn't surprise anybody. And it was a lot lower key. And so I said to her, could we do it? Would you mind if we... She was, I would love for you to do it. I just can't do it anymore, and everybody loves it, and I just can't. So I so I talked to Cyan. Hey, Cyan, what do you think? About <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can do that, yes. Because <laughs> the computer stuff is easier for her. It's easy for her. So 
we decided to take it over and we're actually linked to the old some of those links are broke some of the old advent calendar links have been broken a long time ago but we we have all that stuff we have most of it maybe 90 percent of it so if you go to any of the advent calendar it will take you all the way back to enid novials and in fact the first year we took it over we referred to it as Enid Novial's advent calendar because she she started it and she ran it for five years just by herself um, so we wanted to nobody to forget that that she initiated it so um, that's another thing it's like are we doing that again this year yeah I guess we're doing that again <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh. glad I had a lot of fun with it last it, year it is fun it is fun um, and I don't have like I don't have to deal with the whole giant family Christmas shopping thing for a while I did while we were doing the advent calendar and it was a little chaotic but now christmas is very low key for us so i have more time to deal with it though the last couple of days running up to the holiday it's like oh god i gotta get this posted cyan <laughs> <laughs> was supposed to do a posting on one of them because i had to be somewhere else she went to work and forgot and she had to go back home to do it oh. so it it gets a little crazy but hey you know it's a christmas present you're gonna get to open this one late mm-hmm. yeah perfectly acceptable yeah I mean. Don't look a gift in them. People really look forward to it. So we just got to get the people to give us stuff. We can't have it if we don't get stuff from them. That's a not-so-subtle encouragement (laughs) there (laughs) to everyone. (laughs) Thank you very much for asking me to do this. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure to hear about all this. All right. Well, (laughs) thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find us at our website, meandtheint3.com on Twitter at MeV3, or reach us by email at MeAndTheEnd3 at gmail.com. You can also find our show on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you for listening. Bye! It's just so fabulous being a flamingo The envy under every other bird I don't know, but lately I have heard That every birdie flocks to see us That's because they want to be us It's a flamingo life in a flamingo world It's fabulous being a flamingo bird We have flamingo fun in the flamingo sun There's no denying it, you see It's a flamingo life for me